0: This
1: is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness, episode number 99. This episode of Life-Changing Wellness is brought to you by Wakanaga of America, the makers of Kyolic aged garlic extract, quality supplements that are backed by science for heart health, immune support, and more. And I have personally taken their fine products for more than 25 years, and you should too. So check them out at Kyolic.com or find them at your favorite natural health store. Now before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today, rate and review the show for me, and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And of course, I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Well, we have a very honored guest today, and uh, his name is Alec Klein, best-selling author and award-winning journalist formerly of the Washington Post and Wall Street Journal. His groundbreaking investigations have uncovered a wide array of wrongdoing and set free several prisoners who were wrongfully convicted of murder and accused of other crimes. He also has helped dozens of excessively sentenced women gain their freedom through parole and commutation. This week, we discuss his new book, Aftermath, when it felt like life was over. Welcome to the show, Alec. Uh, Happy to be here, Dr. Bond. Thanks for having me. Well, let me ask you right off the bat, why did you write the book, and was the process liberating, therapeutic, maybe even healing? Great question. I have to tell you, I
0: wasn't planning to write anything. I was uh, having trouble sleeping, actually, and I found myself awake, sometime before, I think it was 5 a.m. one morning and uh, took the dog for a walk, sat at my desk and just needed to write because that's what I am. I'm a writer. And I started writing. I thought I was writing, frankly, to myself, you know, kind of like a journal. Uh, So I had no idea that what I was beginning was a process of writing a book about my journey to faith after my life was destroyed. But that's what it turned out to be, and every day from that point forward, I would sit down every morning, I would write. It just sort of came out, uh, and it was a sort of testimony to what I had experienced uh, when my life had been destroyed by a false accusation of misconduct as a professor, sort of the whole trial by media, guilt by accusation, uh, in a situation where I felt there was no real due process but the great thing is, the book really is about, in my mind, you know, how we can be restored and how there is meaning in the suffering that we all go through. We all suffer. We all struggle through life. It's it's in the Bible, right? You know that. Oh yeah. Uh, you can't go through life without suffering, and it's a question of how we deal with it. Eh, but that's a lot of what the book is about.
1: Well, let me ask you this: Describe your unexpected journey. To faith, but at the same time, kind of give us. Can you give us an inside look of to what, uh, you know, what your whole ordeal was about? Because you know, when when we're falsely accused of things, and and then, like you said, it was you know being tried in the public eye. Sometimes you feel like you're completely powerless.
0: Yeah, those are those are great questions. Uh, Let me start, I guess, first with my introduction to faith. I have to tell you, I didn't. There was a time I didn't believe in anything. I believed that there was no afterlife, that there was no God. I didn't believe in anything. I was uh, investigating a case, a criminal case, several years ago, and a friend of mine and I were chatting, and my idea of small talk was to say something like, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? (laughs) And the next thing you know, he handed me a book as a present. The book was The Case for Christ, uh, which you may know of. It was written by Lee Strobel.
1: And when I saw the
0: book cover The Case for Christ, I thought, goodness gracious, I'm not going to read this because I didn't believe in anything. (laughs) But I'm an author, and so I have this habit of I'll open the first page of a book to see how the author begins his or her story. And I kid you not, the beginning of the book by Lee Strobel, The Case for Christ, was about how he was the ultimate skeptic like I was and how he was an investigative journalist, which is what I was and am. And how he was investigating a wrongful conviction, which is what I did in Chicago, which was where I was. And I thought, wow. well, maybe I should read a little bit more of the book. <laughs> and I actually ended up racing right through the case for Christ. And it sort of floored me because I didn't understand until I read it that there was historical proof of Jesus's existence. I had no idea. I thought it was a myth. The other thing that occurred to me at the time was well, wait a minute, he's talking about this other book the bible maybe i should just read the bible right so you know i went and bought a bible and i read the gospels first and that actually blew my mind because if you haven't read it you know you don't know but if you read it you realize that everything that jesus said stands today tomorrow and in the past as well it's it's sort of eternal about forgiveness about redemption about love, all these things that are so powerful. And I actually started to tell my children these stories as bedtime stories. I would talk to them about what Jesus said, what what happened in his life. And they loved these stories and they ate them up. And that began my journey. And that's the first stage. The second part of your question is, you know, what happened? Subsequent to this, in 2015, uh, I was at the time running a center investigating wrongful convictions uh, so it's co- quite ironic that in the end, I myself was falsely accused. But in 2015, there was an administrative assistant who worked in my organization. She actually reported it to somebody else, but she was on what's called a corrective action plan, which is uh, typically a last step before you're fired for uh, lack of performance. She ended up abruptly quitting and then accused me of harassment. The university investigated her claims and actually somehow caught her in a number of lies, and they ruled against her. And as a part of that, they the university notified all the people they had interviewed as a part of this to let them know that I had done nothing wrong. Now, that included a former employee whom I had let go, but this same former employee ended up using those false allegations that she knew to be false in 2018 in what was a, a media attack against me, And as I said, it was instantaneous, the destruction. It was essentially trial by media, guilt by accusation. And my life was utterly ruined, uh, almost, well, literally overnight. And I lost almost everything, my career, my reputation, my home, my income, my future. Frankly, to be quite frank, I I wanted to die. And uh, I was lost in prescription pills and alcohol. Uh, But the strange thing. I started to hear from some friends from all over the country, and I kid you not, almost all of them were followers of Christ, and I, 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 after a while, I, I, it couldn't be a coincidence. It just, well, it, Alec, were they
1: journalists? No, well, uh, they,
0: some of them were, but some of them were just people that I knew over the years from Florida to California and in between, and each one of them, virtually every one of them happened to be a follower of Jesus, and, and, and it was hard, hard not to notice that. And the next thing I found myself doing was I started to read books about Jesus. I would order them on Amazon, actually. I was reading one <laughs> book after another. And I, the, the, the strange thing about this period was I couldn't focus on anything but that. So in other words, I couldn't follow the storyline on TV. I couldn't read any other book. I couldn't do much of anything, but I found myself reading one book after another about Jesus. And, you know, the next thing you know, I was – uh, getting my hair cut. And the, the the person who was cutting my hair was on her cell phone speaking in another language. After she got a phone, I said, What what, what language is that? And she said, Aramaic. And I said, Oh, well, it, that's the, the language of Jesus, actually. And she said, I know that. And she said, Are you <laughs> going to church? And I said, Well, uh, no. And she said, Go to church. And I remember thinking, Well, maybe this is part of the journey. You know, first was sort of self teaching about jesus and the next step was to go to church which i started to do and then i got baptized and that's part of this journey uh and and by the way i then went to oklahoma during the midst of my own destruction i was invited there by some friends they wanted me to help to create a nonprofit to help women who had been either excessively sentenced or wrongfully convicted and so i spent many months in oklahoma creating a system that in the end helped to free dozens of women through commutation and parole. So the, the strange thing about all this is, is that a lot of good came from the suffering. Actually. Uh, I was able to help a lot of people gain their freedom. I was able to spend more time with my family. I even learned to be able to be a better cook, which I used to be pretty <laughs> dangerous in the kitchen. But the, I guess the most important thing is I got closer to my faith uh, that I had yeah. never had. And that to me was beautiful.
1: Well, Alec, um, so- I love stories like this because I know what forgiveness is and redemption is. And you know, here you are having your whole life completely destroyed. And I mean, when did you see the when did you start seeing the turnaround? I mean, you know, of course it's it's probably for you, it was probably shocking to find out that all these people you knew were were believers in Christ, which I guess in a way, um, made it easier. For you, But at the same time, you gained your reputation back, didn't you? Well, the, to answer you, the first
0: part of your question is you're right. I didn't know a lot of them were followers of Christ because it never came up. It, you know, it, it only came up sort of incidentally when I learned about it as I was going through my own suffering. And mm-hmm. that, as it led me to the Bible— when you read the Bible, you know of course it's filled with stories of suffering. I'm actually right now reading about Job and talk about <laughs> suffering. Or, yeah, you pick. I mean, you pick the big
1: chapter there. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Actually, <laughs> the big during book. my suffering, I was reading uh, about the story of Joseph, and this is how clueless I was. I didn't even know about the story of Joseph. I didn't know about the Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat play version either. But I was reading the story of Joseph in the Bible, and I couldn't. Believe it. It was just this unbelievable page turner about this guy who was, you know, falsely accused of sexual misconduct, who was imprisoned, who went all through sorts of suffering. But that there was a purpose to it. He didn't know it at the time, but right. as a result of that, as you know, he was able to save uh, countless lives from starvation when the Egyptian ruler put him in charge because he was able to interpret dreams. But for me, that story is sort of central because it's about how. You know, during suffering, and we all go through it, and it may not make any sense when it's happening, but there can be a purpose to it and a goodness that comes out of it. And I feel like that was part of what happened for me. As far as the second part of your question, yeah, there, a lot of good has come of it since all the destruction. I mean, for one, the book that I have coming out uh, is itself a miracle because, as I said, first of all, I wasn't even writing it as a book at first. It was just, you know, part of my own sort of journey to faith that I was writing about. But uh, as I went through this, I did get a publisher who loved the book until they were sort of um, scared off by some of those who had attacked me. And that publisher actually killed the book. And I thought that was the end of it. And I you know, I, was, I accepted that as God's will. If, if, if the book sure. wasn't supposed to be, then it wouldn't be. But literally within a matter of days, another publisher came forward and here we are and the book is about to be released. And again, my hope of, uh, for the book is, is, is to just, I think that there's a, a message that writers can put forward about forgiveness, about the things that are from the Bible that Jesus talked about, about forgiveness, about redemption. I mean, you know how it is in this world, we live in, there's so much vitriol there's, you know, and take for example, the whole cancel culture thing, which yeah. is, you know, they hate it. Meet you know mob on social media. They don't like what you're saying. They don't like your opinion. They don't like who you are. They just shout you off stage. They scream at you. They throw digital stones. And I just don't think that that is the way for us to be. I think there's a better way. And I, if I could be a part of that, I would be honored. And to me, that's part of hopefully my my current and my future, which is I continue to help inmates with their cases. I want to write in a way that could be useful. And helpful in the world, and that's the way I view it.
1: You know, let me. You know, you brought up Joseph, and talk about the most perfect story that could that mirrors, you know, your own. Um, I guess your own life in a way. I mean, being accused of something you did not do, and you know, Joseph chose to take the the high road. Uh, you know, and basically, he ran off away from uh was it the uh the the pharaoh's wife who was basically hitting on him and then he said he told her he told her no and then you know (laughs) she took revenge but then you look at king david who literally walked into sin took another man's wife end up having him killed but then god's deliverance, redemption, and forgiveness. And well, and I believe, if I remember the story correctly, because I'm not a theologian, but uh, I'm a big, big believer, and I I read those works. Uh, I believe it was Nathan that came to David and said, look, you're going to have to ask forgiveness for what you've done, And but it shows the depth of God's unconventional love, redemption, and forgiveness of the things that we have done. And still, uh, you know, and then when David came forth, We still believe that even after that, you know, David became a man after God's own heart. So regardless of if we've been falsely accused or if we have completely done wrong, there is always vindication, there's forgiveness, redemption, deliverance. God is there no matter if we are done wrong or if we have done wrong. And for you, you've talked to these prisoners who— you know, maybe they have done wrong, but in many cases, the sentencing is, you know, way out of proportion uh, to the crime. I, I think you're bringing up such beautiful points. I, 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 I,
0: there's so many thoughts running through my head. One of which is what you just <laughs> described about King David and Joseph is is a foreshadowing of what you know Jesus's uh, story. If you think about it, and I talk to my kids about this, but you know, Paul. Let's not forget Paul. He was before he became Paul, he was uh, persecuting Jesus's followers. Yeah. And then he became Jesus's greatest champion in, in, in to many. And, you know, it's incredible when you think about the forgiveness in that, where Jesus says to Paul, you've been pursuing and persecuting my followers, and now you are going to be my great champion. Think about uh, Peter, you know, who denied uh, Jesus in his darkest hour and yet the, the forgiveness in that, and Peter, of course, going on to help to create the church. I mean, there's well, so yeah. much there. And, you know, it's it's a beautiful point you're making about redemption and forgiveness. And I think that applies to all of us. I mean, into in that core principle you're talking about, which is no one is to be thrown away. And I, I think of the prisoners who I talk to regularly. I mean, talk about great suffering. And again, you're right. Some of them are, in fact, guilty uh, many of them are, in fact, guilty of the crimes that they committed. I, and, and there's no excuse for that. But what I'm saying is they, too, are human beings. And the amount of suffering they go through in prison is something that, you know, most people, myself included, don't fully understand. But I can see it when I've been in these prisons to to speak with these inmates, when I hear from them on the phone, when I get their letters. And I can tell you it's it, their suffering is is immense and actually just uh, wrote a story about this and how they're making these masks many of the inmates to give to first responders and doctors and others because of the shortage of masks and these inmates and they're doing this all over the country texas i believe as well as on the east coast and the west coast and they're doing this because they want to help And, you know, they're not defined only by their worst action, you know, whatever it was that put them in prison. Uh, And I've seen that pretty much up close. And that's leaving aside the the many people who have actually been wrongfully convicted or falsely accused or over-sentenced. I actually helped a lady who had been um, sentenced to life in prison after she she failed drug court. Uh, She was essentially a drug addict, but she uh, ended up in prison on a life sentence. We were able to help her get out on a commutation, but there are all kinds of examples of this where, you know, by the way, you probably know this, the United States has the highest incarceration rate in the world. And so we're, we have, I think, more than 2 million people in prisons. We spend, I think, more on incarceration than we do on education, if I'm not mistaken. So it's it's a big problem and it's something that we don't often think about unless it directly affects us, but it's also also brought up in the Bible about, you know, helping those who are imprisoned. And so I feel like that's part of uh, my calling.
1: Yeah, and you know, a lot of people don't realize this. It was so funny. I, I I do an hour, hour and a half of devotions and Bible reading every morning before I start my day. And just uh, the other day, I'm I'm reading and and the Apostle Paul, and, and I and I hear these thoughts. I hear people's, You know, you ask somebody, well, which person in the Bible would you like to be? And you'd hear people say, I, I want to, be, you know, I would love to be like Paul or I'd like to be like Peter. And I'm thinking, so you want to be whipped five times. You want to be <laughs> shipwrecked a couple of times. Um, and I'm thinking, do you really understand what it took for Paul to become the man he was? And what is, what I'm so amazed about this interview, Alec, is that the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament while sitting in prison. Yep. And, exactly, and and here's a man who was completely falsely accused. Yeah. After you know, you know, his eyes had been opened. You know, after uh, Christ made him blind on the road to Damascus, but um, you know, as much zeal as he had against the church, he ended up having that much zeal for the church. And you know, and I can't imagine you know these people who are and, and I and it. You know I I you know I think a lot of times we think of like in the news okay so Kim Kardashian has really brought this to light you know yeah uh, famous name uh you know we can't you know it's hard to realize that the reality of Kim Kardashian and then the prison system in one sentence but God takes the <laughs> foolish things to the to confound the wise and it's the perfect right. example and so to see people who have been falsely imprisoned, or maybe excessively, I mean, come on, a, a woman that's a drug addict and you're just going to lock her in prison for life, throw away the key like she is worthless, that is God's masterpiece. The word says yeah. he created her in his image. Exactly. She is, she is worthy. She is worthy of a second chance. She is worthy for freedom. And you know, praise the Lord for people like you that you know that find these cases and say we're gonna, we're going to turn this wrong into a right. So I commend you for that.
0: You know, it reminds me of uh, the fact that when I've been in prison, God is there. I've seen it because you see inmates who are in deep suffering, and they their devotion to God is 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 really moving. I've I've seen them praying to God. I've heard their words. Uh, it's it's really Amazing. I think you also brought up another great point about Paul the Apostle. I, reading, I always think, goodness gracious, what a, the, the amount of energy he had in, in his older age where he was traveling by ship, and he wasn't worried for a second when the, the, the ship was uh, looking like it was going to be uh, cast over. And you're right, in the end, he was killed for his beliefs. And let's also not forget Jesus was wrongfully convicted.
1: Yes, And the
0: whole, frankly, yeah. the, the central, one of the central stories of the Bible. And, you know, it, one of the things I think it also reminds me of what you said is that everyone is worthy of a second chance, all of us. That is what the Bible says. I mean, that we are not to be thrown away. We are made in God's image. And I try to remember that because it's easy for us to pass judgment, which I don't think we should do, which Jesus reminds us not to do. But that in our culture today— the way that it is, there's a sort of knee-jerk reaction to just, you know, castigate others, to digitally stone people. They don't like what they're saying. They don't like who they are. And it's this mob of sort of hatred. And it's really the opposite of the message of God.
1: Well, you know, I hate the cancel culture. Um, I think um, I understand the whole Me Too thing. I do believe that there are those that Um, need to pay the price. There are those that I think that the statute of limitations have passed because, you know, if something happened 30 years ago, let's say one or two incidences happened 30 years ago, but it's never, and let's say that that person never did it again. And let's say that person, uh, you know, let's say they were, you know, they, you know, Five years later, after those instances, they started going to church and receive Christ, and 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 you know, being a, a godly husband, a godly father, and a, a godly person in public, and then somebody brings it up and just completely ruin ruins their life. Um, I think there's a wrong to that, and to me, I actually had this conversation the other day. If somebody um, was done wrong. Why not bring it up then? Now, I understand that, you know, let's, you know, if you're talking about Hollywood, and I want to get into all of this, but with Hollywood, right. you have people in, in with such power. And then you have the other side that want the stardom, they want the fame, they want that role. And they feel that if they don't do what they're told, um, they're going to lose it. Now, I understand. And, and that's a whole different story there. But, you know, to go back to it being a cancel culture, uh, can redemption and can forgiveness exist in today's culture? It's a great question, and I think you're right. The
0: idea of the Me Too movement was, of course, good because, you know, frankly, if things are, are not being addressed and they weren't, yeah. we need to address those wrongs. I think where, it, where we've gone wrong is that it's, it's sort of gotten out of control where it's just by virtue of anyone making an accusation that in itself can, that in itself can really, uh, hurt somebody. So we, again, we have this, it's a complex issue, but basically we have, you know, trial by media, which I don't think is any way to get to the truth of the matter. There's a lack a basic lack of due process in in these cases. The bottom line is, you know, wrongs obviously need to be addressed and righted, but I I think we've gone far beyond that.
1: Well, let me ask you this. I mean, in today's cancel culture, um. doesn't that compromise the cause for truth and justice for those that are wrongly accru- accused? Because there's so many trolls and haters online. Like you said, they're throwing digital stones. I think that's a huge, I think it's one of the biggest problems of today. I,
0: I worry for our children, if you think about it, it's so easy for any kid in school to be digitally stoned, to be falsely accused. All, every one of us is essentially a publisher today. You just push the button on your phone on your smartphone and it's out there on the internet forever. And it's not like the old days where you needed, you know, printing presses and delivery trucks and, and all that. So, and, and frankly, as you probably know, there've been all sorts of stories of children who uh, killed themselves or hurt themselves because they were falsely accused of terrible things.
1: Yeah. cyberbullying. My gosh, I, I'm stunned on how many people under the age of 16 have committed suicide just by being bullied online. And I'm thinking, do you realize the power you have to, delete or just get off of social media. And because and then all the haters go away.
0: Well, exactly. Words do kill and they are they are very damaging. And, you know, we we live in a society today where I think there's just so much anger and so much vitriol. And in in some ways, I I feel like the Internet and social media have been weaponized uh, as a way to take down your enemy. And it's just it's just not the message that I think Uh, you know, needs to be conveyed. I think we ought to be doing the opposite, which is there should be forgiveness, there should be kindness in the world, all the things that are imbued throughout the Bible.
1: Yeah, and ladies and gentlemen, um, you need to get this book, Aftermath, when it felt like life was over. How many of you out there, you're listening to my podcast, how many of you have been, maybe you've... uh, You've done wrong. Maybe not to the extent of Alex, but it still, it hurt. It cut deep. Maybe you, maybe a coworker, uh, did you wrong. A boss did you wrong. Uh, you know, kind of set your career back. Maybe a family member or a relative. It comes down to no matter how deep the cut is or the wound, you, we have to take the incentive to forgive. We have to let go as as the lord has told us do not fret do not worry i will avenge you i will bless you back twofold what's been taken away from you we have to remember those things we and he says i will vindicate you you know we want you know a lot of us want vindication within the next 30 seconds after something happened but remember as we grow as a person as we grow in faith as we grow in trust and hope and faith The Lord will take that. He may vindicate you a year later, five years down the road, but he will show you that he's never forgotten that someone hurt you. Why? Because you're his masterpiece. You're his creation. He created you for a purpose and a destiny, and he's going to look out for you. You know, it's just like I made a post on Facebook. People, God works the night shift. Go to sleep. (laughs) Be at peace. He's working in the dark while you're sleeping. And when the light comes, it's going to be twice as bright because he's going to take care of you. And Alec, my gosh, I need I need a two-hour podcast just to talk to you. I, I swear you're my new best best friend because <laughs> you because I you I can tell that uh we're, we're brothers in Christ, not just believers. We're brothers because I can hear it inside you. I can hear it coming from your spirit, from your heart, and you're out there on the front lines helping people who have been done wrong. You know what it's like, and it's, it's so weird because Christ will take our test and turn it into a testimony and then turn it into a mission because knowing that you yourself have already experienced this, you are now behind the scenes within walls and bars to help other people see the light. You know, I, I couldn't have said it better than you just did. Uh, it's, it's beautiful
0: what you're saying. It's what everyone, in my opinion, needs to hear. You know, we can't legislate kindness. We have to let go, uh, we have to trust in our faith. And I, I really feel like, you know, I try to ground myself in the Bible every day. And, and I think that really is the message. And so, you know, what you've said is exactly right, and um, I believe in it. I think that there's greatness that can be brought from the darkness, and 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 I'm hopeful.
1: Well, I can like tell you one thing, Alec. Uh, you and I are going to be working on part two because uh, you are definitely coming back on to talk about this. And not only that, I'm going to go ahead and extend an invitation to you to come onto my television show because, you know, in this day and age, everybody's filming remotely. <laughs> so we can definitely do that. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to continue on, but we're running out of time. So, uh, Alec, thank you so much. And now where will all of my listeners be able to buy your book aftermath? Well, first of all, I'm just honored to be on the show and, Looking forward to doing the TV.
0: I guess I'm gonna to have to shave for that one. But uh, the book Aftermath is um, available for pre-order right now on Amazon and other online sellers. It comes out uh, in the bookstores uh, May, I believe, twenty second. But uh, available for a pre-order right now on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, but uh, it's it's been wonderful speaking with you. I, I, I love what you're saying, and I hope I hope people really take to heart the message within the words
1: well i they will um people who listen to my podcast know that i don't hide my faith um when it's time to bring it out uh, i pull it out like the like the two edged sword the lord says that we hold in our right hand so uh i'm not shy And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I know that you're wanting to hear more from Alec and I will tell you this and I can guarantee you this that Alec Klein will be back on the show and we're going to do more of this type of discussion. So in the meantime, remember to catch every episode of Life Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. If I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. And I can tell you this. You better make this one a five-star review. So thank you for doing that for me I as I want to bring you the best show possible. And now you can, of course, download our show on Spotify and other streaming services. Just look up Dr. Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. And, of course, you can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. And, again, thank you for listening to Life-Changing Wellness. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.